morning, good evening, everybody. This is Mari. And this is Drew. And we are with the Knights of the Sound Table, where we talk about speech and debate and whatnot. So today, first things first, let's try to figure out what is a speech and debate. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why today with us, we have our coach, Drew Stewart. Thank you, Mari. Um, speech and debate is an activity that is actually centuries old. And if we think about the roots of it, it comes from ancient and older civilizations where their governments were set up to where people could get together in a public forum and argue against each other. Well, as it grew and grew and grew and people wanted to grow that skill set earlier, they started introducing public speaking competitions and kids in school would, would do it, uh, uh, ages from elementary school all the way to college. And so now in the modern day, here's what it looks like. It is a bunch of nerds <laughs> hopping on a bus or a van or a plane <laughs> uh, from one university traveling to another university to compete with a group of schools that have all gone to that university to compete. And as a team, uh, I would say we travel and compete from September to March, and we're doing somewhere around 10 to 11 tournaments within that time. Um, and speech and debate teams are a lot like track and field teams in terms of structure. Uh, there are a bunch of different people on the team, and people may do different events, you know. And on track and field, there's somebody who does javelin. There's somebody who does the hurdles. There's somebody who does the 400 meter. Uh, in speech and debate, we have somebody who might do prose or informative speaking or impromptu speaking. Even though we have people doing different events, they all come together to uh, score team points. And so at the end of a tournament, it's like, how well did all the people do in all their different kinds of speaking events? Let's tally up the points. I'm so proud that here at Marion University, we've been going for over 15 years as a speech and debate team. Uh, we do different events. Body, should I, should I get into the events now? For sure, because you previously just mentioned it, like pros, informative. Oh, yeah. And for people who don't know what a speech is, they may be thinking, what the heck is pros? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. So uh, there are three primary speech event categories and then there's also debate and so you really want to think of speech and debate as two different wings of a team some teams do debate and they don't do speech some teams do speech and they don't do debate and then some teams like Marion, we do both and so for the speech side starting over there there are again three different categories they are oral interpretation platform address and limited preparation uh, interpretation events are, for lack of a better example, are, are just a lot like acting. Students that end up doing like theater or storytelling or spoken word end up gravitating towards these events. And so there are five of them within the category of oral interpretation. So prose interpretation, like I said, is when somebody performs some piece of literature that was not initially meant to be performed out loud when it was written. And a lot of times we end up performing stuff from like short stories or novels, things like that. Um, in poetry, it is what it sounds like. It's the event totally where you perform poetry, whether or not the poetry when it was originally drafted was intended to be performed out loud or not. However, and I 
maybe should have started with this. In most of our events and all the oral interpretation events, there's a maximum time limit of 10 minutes. Mm. But for something like poetry, a lot of poems end up being short. So what we do is we choose a theme to then take different selections of poetry and uh, what we call program out a performance. So when you watch somebody do poetry in speech and debate competition, their whole topic may be about, and we'll never take this to a tournament, but it may be about hot dogs. <laughs> and so they have several different poems in that program all about hot dogs where they maybe are being a hot dog. And then they are doing a poem about eating a hot dog. Anyway, you get it. Different kinds of poetry, one central theme. Another category that we do often is dramatic interpretation. Now, this is stuff that when it was originally written was intended to be performed. So it's like scripts from play, television, film. At times, even podcasts, fictional podcasts, are, are great things to use for dramatic interpretation. A big difference between dramatic interpretation and in prose Pros, we're really focusing on the story, right? We're taking a whole, again, like novel or short story and condensing it down to 10 minutes. And so we're trying to really dig out the story uh, within that whole performance. Whereas in dramatic interpretation, while story certainly does play a role, you want to focus more on the character or on the scene that you are creating. And so it doesn't have to be a whole story in the 10-minute performance when you're doing dramatic interpretation. Okay, so then branching off of dramatic interpretation, there's duo, where that is the only event where you can actually work with another person, hence the name duo. And uh, you'll find performers largely doing scripts that they can do in dramatic interpretation, like plays, films, television, but they can also perform poetry. They can also perform prose. And like poetry, people can program a duo so they can choose a theme and then choose different kinds of literature to put it together. And so that leads me to uh, uh, the last of the single interp, which is programmed oral interpretation, also known as POI or POI. So POI is what I've been talking about with programming. The whole point of this event is to take prose, dramatic literature, and poetry, put it all together in the single same program under a central theme. And so when you're seeing somebody perform this, the cool thing is that they switch between poetry and drama and prose. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the main interp categories that we see. Then platform address. So these again are a maximum time of 10 minutes. And where is an oral interpretation a lot of what we performed was stuff that's already produced or published by other people, even though people can write and perform original stuff. In platform address, everything is original. You should not be performing anybody else's work. And so there are four speeches under platform address. They are persuasive speaking, informative speaking, after dinner speaking, and rhetorical criticism. Persuasive speaking is where uh, you are trying to change the audience's mind largely around a law or a policy. In this sort of speech, you really won't see speakers doing topics like, here's why you should get sleep more, or here's why you should visit the elderly more. Not that those aren't good topics, but just how our competition has grown. Topics in this category tend to be more about laws or policies that you would like to see changed. So, Mari, could I actually ask, um, you've done persuasion before. Could you give an example of a topic that you've done? Personally, a topic that I have done before is zero tolerance policy. That one that allows immigrant children to be separated of their families. 
and and so there you go. That's a perfect example of something where the speaker is trying to change a law or a policy, mm-hmm. and it's certainly not a light one. Um, uh, you know what, Mari? I might come back to you as I'm going through these platform addresses because you've done quite a few of these, and so I think it might be good to just hear some examples. So uh, next is informative speaking. Informative speaking is a type of speech where, oh my gosh, you can hear almost any kind of topic come in. It could be about a social issue. It could be about a historical issue. It could be about a single person that we have maybe lost in history or need to know about because they're doing really cool stuff right now. Um, uh, It could be about a scientific breakthrough. Anything that you bring as a topic in formative speaking really, though, needs to be made relevant for the audience. And so in order to be competitive in this event, because you're not asking the audience to change their behavior as a result of the information you present, you are instead trying to just put out the best, most interesting information about your topic within the speech. Uh, then moving moving over to ADS. Now, ADS can be a lot of fun. Um, it, 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 I, I said can yeah, be. It is kind, kind of funny. Lots of times. <laughs> It is. It is. Um, uh, And it's because after dinner speaking is meant to be a speech that focuses on humor. Uh, uh, You're you're meant to make the audience laugh. The speech can be persuasive or informative in nature. It really doesn't matter what direction you take. But the speech has to have humor as a part of delivering a serious, critical message. And so, Mari, uh, will you tell us a little bit about the after dinner speech you did this year? For sure. So my after dinner speaking, my ADS speech this year was basically alien students in college. So for those who are a little confused, I don't quite literally mean the green things uh, that we see in TV. So for a little bit of context, I'm somebody who was born outside of the U.S. So as I had seen Plenty of immigration documents. There is this one question that asks, are you a legal alien? So when families, like parents, ask their younger children to translate this one, uh, our reaction is not to think of alien as an immigrant, but aliens as a sci-fi TV character kind of thing. So my whole speech was me talking as if he was an actual alien. There you go. Thank you, Mari. Yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> say it was that, there one more time. Beep boop. Yeah, that was yeah one of the the jokes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It was like your alien noise, right? Uh huh. Um. So there you go. After yeah. dinner speaking, you take a serious topic, but you deliver it using humor as a major vehicle to get it across. And then the last one, rhetorical criticism, also known as communication analysis, is. The speech for all the communication nerds. Uh, Speech and debate as an activity has found a home in a lot of communication departments at universities across the United States. And so this speech is the speech for the communication discipline where we take anything, a billboard, a protest, a A video game, (laughs) a video game, right? anything like that, and we analyze the intention and the meaning of the message of that thing while also bringing in some communication theory to break it all down. So so we won't say, you know, that billboard sure did get a lot of sales or that video game really did change America. It'll be more instead of what was it attempting to do, what was the result, and 
out of all the things that shake out of that, you know, what's, what's different, what's good, what's bad, what's new, what's, uh, what's a revisiting of something that we have forgotten. So, so we get a lot into, I, I would argue, intention and result analysis when we're looking at rhetorical criticism. It's a lot of fun. Um, okay, last category, limited preparation speeches. And these speeches each have a maximum of seven minutes. Um, the first one, extemporaneous speaking. Uh, and that is just for clarification, E-X-T, E-M-P as in pair, not extempt, extemporaneous <laughs> speaking. Um, and that's because uh, people confuse it a lot, even inside of the activity. But extemporaneous speaking is the category for current events in our activity. Um, basically, uh, a student will get three questions on a sheet of paper, and they're all something about a current events issue that's happening right now in the world. Um, and the student does not know what those questions are going to be before they get them. They sit down with those questions, and as soon as they receive them from the tournament, they have 30 minutes on their own in a preparation time to develop a speech to give for seven minutes. So again, they get those questions, they get 30 minutes to prepare. Then after that 30 minutes, they go to a room and they stand up and they give a seven minute speech to a judge and an audience. Um, while the speakers are speaking in this event, they will largely have a note card in front of them where they have been preparing their notes for the speech. Some people speak without a note card. Some people always need a note card. Uh, but again, this event is about current events. So you'll get into questions about, you know, election issues. You'll get into questions about financial issues. You'll get into questions about trade relations and, and uh, a foreign policy uh, between different countries, not just the United States. Uh, uh, so if you love and enjoy those things, extemp is absolutely for you. And then after that, impromptu, Impromptu speaking is uh, very uh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> why do you why do you say it like that, Lottie? Because you're about to explain how nerve wracking it may be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a nerve wracking event. So, so again, seven minutes total. <laughs> Students, once they see their prompt for this event, they actually get two minutes to prepare in front of the audience to then speak for five minutes. Um, the prompt that they get, they may get a quotation from somebody or some piece of work, you know, a film, a book or something. And so they get that quotation, they will analyze it. And so they build a whole speech off of that analysis. What is the quotation talking about? Other times they may get a random object. They may get a random image. They may be uh, uh, even given like a, a fictional scenario to speak through. But either way it goes, the time frame is the same. They get two minutes to prepare and then they have to stand up and speak for five minutes. And yes, like Mari said, it can be very nerve wracking trying to figure out all that stuff in the room in front of people while they're counting down time. Um, but those are the traditional events that we do on the speech side of things. There are some events that we call experimentals and we only call them that because we don't see them offered at every tournament. But if you do experimentals like slam poetry, improvisational duo, Pecha Kucha speaking, radio broadcasting discussion, we love hopping into those things as well as readers theater. We love readers theater. Um, uh, Marty, Marty on hell is a national champion in it. Okay. So, um, 
And uh, also in Spanish, don't forget. And that also one. in Spanish, also in Spanish, yes, ma'am. Uh, platform, platform address in Spanish, yeah. Uh, that's right, Mar. You better talk your mess. You said also, don't forget my other one. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, um, moving over to the debate side of things. So at Marion, we do two kinds of debate. But there are more forms of debate past what I'm going to describe. Uh, but these are the ones that we do. And much like extemp and impromptu are limited preparation events, we do the styles of debate that are limited preparation. So that means the topics change every round. Students do not know the topics before they get to the tournament. And so by the end of a tournament day, students would have argued over maybe about seven, eight, nine different uh, uh, kinds of topics in debate. Um, the two different kinds we do are IPDA debate and NPDA debate. Um, IPDA debate is largely just one-on-one -on -one debate. Students here uh, will face off against another student. They'll get a list of topics in a room. They will go back and forth striking the topics that they don't want to argue over until they are left with one that they do argue over. And also, like extent, they get 30 minutes to prepare. Then they come back and they argue against each other. Um, the total argument time, I would say, is also close to 30 minutes. And within a debate, students give speeches where they deliver their central arguments. They cross-examine each other where they go back and forth and ask and answer each other questions. And they also give rebuttals where they are asked to directly respond to the content of the other person brought up within that speech while also summarizing why they won the debate. Um, then if you flip on over to NPDA, again, a lot of it works the same. Constructive speeches where you set up your arguments, cross-examination, uh, 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 and, and rebuttals too, right, where you uh, oppose the other side, but you also build up your own arguments, but some key differences. In NPDA debate, you have a partner working with you. Um, in IPDA debate, you have a 30-minute preparation time. In NPDA debate, you have a 15, maybe sometimes 20-minute preparation time. Uh, also, in NPDA debate, you do not select your topics against the other team. You instead are standing in a room with everybody at the tournament that's doing debate, a tournament official will stand up in front of that crowd and yell the topic to the entire room. Mm. And then once they've yelled that topic, everybody leaves that central room and goes to their rounds as fast as they can because that 15 preparation time, 15-minute uh, preparation time has just begun. So it's a little wild, uh, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And again, IPDA and PDA debate. Debate is largely you arguing against another person. That's the thing that separates it from speech. In speech activities and events, nobody's arguing back against you, but in debate, somebody absolutely is. And while, again, the context of these things are different, they end up working a lot of similar muscles to each other. Um, and so that's everything that we get into at Marion. Yeah, and it's very fun. Yeah. That's especially why I avoid debate, but I do a speech, because I get around those 10 minutes to talk. And nobody can say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great way to think about it. <laughs> I think that's just fine. Yeah, so definitely a speech and debate is an activity that gives you many opportunities to explore and experiment different topics that you may be interested about or things that you never heard before. But at the end of the day, you're learning you are also educating others and advocating for those things that we believe in. I couldn't couldn't have said it any better, Mari. That's exactly it. Yeah, well, 
Thank you so much for being here with us today and breaking down all these different layers of what a speech and debate can look like. Oh, you know I'm a nerd for this. I'll do it anytime. <laughs> um, find me on the street. Ask me about poetry. Let's go. <laughs> do it. <laughs> If you see Drew or Stuart or if you have class with him in the future, ask him what poetry is. Oh, my gosh. What did I just <laughs> sign myself up for? I'm wild. Anyway, um, yeah, this is a wonderful activity. I've been a part of it ever since uh, I was in high school. It can afford you many wonderful things. Obviously, you get to learn a lot. You get to talk about things that you care about. But you also really get to connect with wonderful people uh, uh, like Mari. And you end up creating these connections that stick with you well past what you even assumed uh, what it might be. Um, and so speech and debate just can can give you give you a lot if you give, you know, some of yourself to it. Now, granted, you got to get your butt up, memorize a speech uh, <laughs> and, and not be afraid to speak uh, uh, in front of crowds in order to do it. But in order to do this, you don't need to be a specialist in public speaking or an argumentation you don't need to know all the information heck you didn't even know didn't even have to know the activity existed before you heard us speak about it you really just need to show up and be open enough to do the work yeah so if you're curious i want to learn more about speech and debate check us out we have a website we have an instagram account or we also have coach drew Stewart around campus so just ask him Oh, yeah, you can email me, D-S-T-E-W-A-R-T at marion.edu. I check that email as much as I don't want to. <laughs> okay, any closing words or advice for those who may be listening to us, like people who may be considering a speech and debate or who didn't know a speech and debate was a thing? Um, nothing other than what I shared already. <laughs> um, I will... I. I, I I don't know, maybe maybe I'll add this on too, you know, not by design, but speech and debate, especially at Berrien University, tends to be a group of folks that just need a little bit more than what our classes give us sometimes. And that's not a statement about teachers. That's not a statement about Marion. That's not a statement about any place. But if you're going to engage uh, with our team, I think a base thing to know is that they are people that have a hunger for knowledge. They like being fed by interesting and challenging information, and they love to be the people to deliver the interesting and challenging information. Um, and so that makes them pretty weird. Uh, <laughs> but it's a good weird, and it's a weird that is absolutely necessary in the world. So if you find that you're vibing on that same level, definitely come find us. Okay, and I think that's it for today. Thank you so much, Drew, for joining me in this segment. Thank you if you stuck with us to this point. <laughs> you have been listening to the Knights of the Sound Table. Hope you catch us in the next episode. Bye-bye. Oui.